What is your current relationship to spirituality? We'll look at that in our coaching tip for the week. And in our interview segment, we have Megan Smith, a spiritual teacher, leader, and coach. I have really enjoyed meeting Megan. This was the first time we met on the podcast. She's kind, compassionate, generous, and an accomplishment coaching coach as well. I hope you enjoy the episode today. And remember, something powerful resides within you. I'm here to support you in seeing it and creating it. What is your current relationship to spirituality? So this question always brings up a lot for people that I speak to. Everyone has different versions of what spirituality means. The conversation around spirituality versus religion also is a deeply layered conversation. And what I'd like to focus on today as a tip to gain some awareness around is the relationship to whatever you believe. So your relationship to spirituality in particular. Oftentimes when clients are confronted with limiting beliefs around something or stops, we like to use that coaching phrase, like where are you getting stopped around a concept or a belief? It helps to look at the relationship to it. So instead of fighting against the beliefs that you have around God or the universe or not believing anything at all that's outside of yourself, it's easier to focus on who are you being about that belief. So for me, there's a lot of gold in looking at the relationship to it because that informs me, no matter what I believe and what my choice is, am I in alignment with it? Are my actions lining up with who I'm choosing to be and what I believe about it? So take a look at the relationship. Is it non-existent? Are you ignoring it? Is it like dating where uh, you sometimes take it out and treat it well, but then, you know, it's kind of like forgotten after date number two? Whatever the relationship is, the first step is to get clear on what's going on. And then the second step is, how do you want it to go? What would a relationship of your dreams with spirituality provide you access to? What would it allow or make possible in your life? Megan, thank you so much for being with me today. Um, we actually have never met in person, nope. right? We barely met online. <laughs> we barely met online. We are part of this, this beautiful uh, coaching community through Accomplishment Coaching, which I know I've talked about many times on this show. And yeah. I'm so grateful for my training and the community and the connections that um, have been provided by Accomplishment Coaching. But what, what was your journey? Like, when did you graduate and how did you? Yeah, so I, um, I went through the program in Victoria, British Columbia in 2018 is when I started. I had a three-year-old and a three-month-old at the time. 
And I also bought a house that year. And it was like one of the craziest years of my life. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's when I did it. I did 2018 to 2019. And then I stayed on in the leadership role for two years with the company. Yeah. Beautiful. And I graduated 2015, 2016 was my okay. year mm-hmm. in, in New York city. I was still there in New York before we relocated to Los Angeles. I'm so grateful. I know you reached out um, wanting to be guests on more podcasts, but the reason I was so excited to invite you and have you is just who you are online, um, Mm -hmm. not even knowing you, your presence everywhere that I've seen in your posts, um, in our community forums, but also just in in life. Like I think we're connected on LinkedIn and we're connected on Facebook and Instagram and I see your name pop through and it's always with such elegance and clarity mm. in whatever you post. And so I knew that I would love to have you um, on as a guest because you're already an incredible leader and for what you bring to people. So thanks for being willing to be here. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And likewise, I've sort of seen you and, and people speak so highly of you, the people that we know in common, which are many. Um, your name comes up a lot. So likewise, when you were like, Hey, come on my podcast. It's like, Ooh, that's exciting. Yeah, definitely. Love that for us. We want to spread that joy for sure. Yeah. So I think I just want to jump right in with what's your heart's desire for Mm. being a coach in the world these days, you know, like Mm. what, what's leading you these days? Yeah, it really has evolved. So I appreciate that these days because, uh, it really has evolved over time and, Currently, I am very much steeped in my own personal spiritual journey. And I actually have a podcast called The Skeptic's Guide to a Spiritual Life. So that title tells you my sort of, in a nutshell, how it's occurring for me is I'm a former, very skeptical, very logic brained. I used to be a lawyer before I was a coach. My bread and butter was my brain and how brilliant I was and how perfect I could think my way through something. And there wasn't a lot of room for spirituality in that because spirituality isn't really something you can prove or disprove. It's like, it actually requires faith. And I didn't have a lot of room for that. Faith felt very scary to me because I couldn't control that, you know? Um, And so right now I'm really, really passionate about bringing spirituality to very high achieving, high performing people Mm -hmm. in a way that they can hear it you know, because I think spirituality is such a fraught topic. A Mm -hmm. lot of people have a, have religious trauma. A lot of people have a lot of skepticism, which is born from fear of trusting something that they can't see. And a lot of people grew up in worlds where it wasn't safe to trust things they couldn't see. And those people tend to be very high achieving. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. it's very, I'm very, very driven by whatever, whatever means people can hear it to give people some space to let go of some control in their lives, to surrender to something bigger than themselves. Cause I have found so much lightness in my own life and, and frankly, so much success, quote unquote success through mm-hmm. not what I thought was going to get me success, which is like working harder, doing more, being smarter is actually relinquishing control. So that's my jam. That's your jam. Well, and how do you get people to talk about this from the very beginning? Because I know I, I'm a high performer and a high achiever. And before accomplishment coaching, yeah. you could not have yeah. gotten me to talk about totally. spirituality in any kind of a organizational or business setting. Totally. Um, and maybe not even with my my friends, my girlfriends. I mean, it's pretty rare that we we would talk about spirituality from 
from any other lens than just finding a common ground where we wouldn't, you know, offend each other. Yeah. So I'm curious, like, how do you start this conversation with people? It's a great question. And it's something that I have had to do a lot of work on with my own coach, because I feel called to relate to myself as a spiritual coach and leader. And yet it does feel like a stop for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. So a couple of things about that is one, I don't necessarily call it spirituality and not because I'm trying to trick people or anything, but because I, I'm sensitive that people ultimately do almost everybody I talk to does believe in something bigger than themselves, Mm -hmm. but they call it different things. And so I don't need to call it spirituality. I'm not attached to calling it what I need to call it, Mm -hmm. but I tune my listening for it and I get curious about it. Mm -hmm. And I ask people questions that are geared towards like, what do you believe in? What is your belief system about what's going on here on this earth? Like, and people are pretty receptive to that. And then the other thing about it is that I, I do, this is, this is kind of hard to explain and I'm going to explain it using terms that aren't quite right, but it's like, I am now speaking to a different group of people than I used to speak to. I'm speaking to people who are more ready for the conversation. Mm. that's the part that I have to remember is that I used to be speaking to people that weren't ready for the conversation at all. So to go from like, hello, nice to meet you. Do you want coaching to like, let's talk about God was pretty steep. Yeah. And now I really tend to draw more people who are, who have been, you know, dabbling, reading some books about, you know, and so they just, they can hear my, they can hear my speaking and they want what I have, frankly, Mm -hmm. which is kind of what coaching is about is like, seeing somebody kind of has what you want mm-hmm. and, and asking them how they got it. <laughs> so that, so that's my, that's my kind of messy, not perfect answer about that. Which is beautiful. Cause I don't think anything about spirituality. <laughs> it's perfect. Or totally. <laughs> totally. It's messy. And sometimes it's risky, you know, to say yeah. like, Hey, what's your spiritual belief? Sometimes I will just say like, what's your spiritual belief? And more and more, I'm getting pretty bold about being like, look, I coach through a spiritual lens and yeah. I might not, be, I might not be the coach for you if you're not interested in that conversation. Which is beautiful because um, I think that kind of ownership invites people to know where to meet you. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. is this something I want or am interested in exploring right now in my life? And I've got to imagine like the last couple of years, everybody in my practice who has come through my door or even building the C-suite collective or the people that we're talking to has been through some major shifts. Yes. Right. Through the, yeah. through the pandemic, through... I mean, we could list all the things that uh, I think for yeah. several months there, it felt like there was something new every week. <laughs> yeah. And if you, if you talk to very spiritual folks and, and I don't necessarily put myself in that category yet, although I do in some regards, but they will tell you that all of this, all of what's happening right now, all of the divide, this is totally predictable. And it's part of our spiritual ascension as a species. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense that people are more open to this conversation you know, in the face of a global pandemic that completely shut us down, you really can't help but ask, like, what is this for? <laughs> like, what, why, you know, like, it, and so it's got people primed to that conversation. Yeah. And what did you find it was for you? Because I, I think for every human I talked to, it was a different, mm-hmm. a mm-hmm. different lesson that emerged from, from COVID. Yeah. And- well, I think I got a lot of lessons, a lot of lessons in my parenting for sure. You know, having, I, my kids were five and three, no, five and two when the pandemic happened. So I went from having full-time childcare to having two small children at home for four months. 
Hmm. Um, it really, I really learned a lot about parenting and being with my kids and, and a lot about surrender, Mm. you know, like that we actually, you know, I just remember having these, this realization over and over again of I'm not entitled to a different version of life than this. I was always going to live through a pandemic. My kids were always going to live through a pandemic. You know, there's a sense that like, we're entitled to something different. We're entitled to a pandemic list life or something. And it's like, well, no, this was always what we signed up for. You know, that's, that's, that's what my spiritual belief is that, you know, I was always going to be on this earth when I signed up, my soul's contract was like, yep, you're going to live during a pandemic and who knows what else I'm going to live through. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but we don't, you know, so that, that was a really powerful lesson for me of really accepting life on life's terms. What I had imagined for my life doesn't really mean much, you know, like it's, yeah. it's nice, but it didn't mean, it doesn't mean much because this is how it actually is. Well, and how do we reconcile that with coaching, right? Because yes. in my mind, it's like, I'm totally with you. I learned so many lessons of surrender the last yes. three years, really. And even in the last week, I think yeah. I've been uh, taken to town in, in that, that, that arena. So, and I know that clients come and say, okay, well, if this is about surrender and about life being predestined, or we signed up for our soul contract, just like you said, coming here, yeah. then what's, what's the point? Right. Totally. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And I don't, again, don't have a perfect answer for that, but I'll tell you how I make sense of that question and how I deal with that in my own life. Cause coaching is very forward looking, especially the way you and I are trained. It's like, let's create a goal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we call it different words. We call it a vision and we, and then we create milestones and let's go achieve it. Mm-hmm. And we have the power. And one of the questions I got asked early on in my sort of spiritual journey, as I was up against that, right. I was like, okay, well, I can accept that life unfolds. So what's the, yeah. What's the point in setting any goals? Mm-hmm. And, you know, my coach said to me, you know, can you hold both things as true? Mm-hmm. You know, like the tension of holding two contradictory truth, what seems like two contradictory truths. Mm-hmm. Um, Brene Brown talks about this a lot and it's really like a union thing is like, that's where transformation happens and growth is in the ability to hold two seemingly contradictory things is true. Mm. So how do I make sense of it in a practical sense of my life is I let, I do believe it's still my job to look and listen Mm -hmm. for what visions might be there for me, but I do it in partnership Mm. with my higher power. So what is your vision for me? And actually listening and then using my human ability and my human gifts that have been given to me to flesh that out, to create it in partnership. Mm. And it might change. So like, this is really interesting, right? So right now, I'll give you an example. Right now I am, (laughs) this is going to sound like a plug, but I have a group coaching program that um, I've been doing for several years, but I've sort of revamped it and I'm filling it. And when I go to fill a group or like, you know, do something new, I usually make some kind of action plan. Mm -hmm. And for like, you know, I'm going to like reach out to 10 people a week or uh, I'm going to post to social media 10 times a week or whatever it is. Right. And so I did that last week. I have my plan. I created it in partnership with my higher power. You know, I, I took some, some divine guidance on that. And so one of the things on there is to post a certain amount of times on social media. So it's on there. 
And this week I sat in my meditation and I heard the message, no posting on social media this week. And I'm like, that's bullshit. Sorry, my life is <laughs> Yeah, you can do it. It's fine. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, dude, I have a group to fill. Social media works for me. I have to put, I'm going away for two weeks in the middle of August where I'm not going to be in any conversations with any about anything about coaching with anybody. I got to use this week to get on social media. Mm-hmm. And yet the message was don't get on social media. And I'm like, yeah, but it's on my, and it's like, okay, like that's an example for me of somewhere in the past where I would have just blown through that message and be like, that can't be right. Cause I know what's best for me. I know what's best. Yeah, right. And so through. now, yeah, now it's like, I actually don't know what's best. And my relationship I have with my higher power is like, Hey, there's something else coming for you that you can't see. Mm. So pump the brakes. Mm-hmm. So it's not that I'm releasing the vision and I'm not like, well, I guess I don't get to have what I want and I'll just be led elsewhere. It's just that I got some new information and it's different than the information I got last week, mm-hmm. you know? So it seems contradictory and I could make up like, well, it's contradictory. So I guess, you know, my higher power is bonkers and I don't have to listen to, to my higher power, but it's, it's like, I got that message last week to get me where I am this week. And now there's a new set of information I'm getting. Mm-hmm. And that's true in the bigger picture as well, right? Sometimes we get a vision that causes us to get into some action that gets us to point B so that we can see the new vision. Mm-hmm. So it can so that, open and expand. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. And it, and to be open to it being not what we thought, mm-hmm. right. It could be something totally new or it could be the same thing. And there's a new direction to get there. Yeah. And what, what I'm really getting from what you're sharing, Megan, which is really beautiful is that there's gradients to this work too, because, mm-hmm. you know, I'm thinking about my own journey and I, I was raised Catholic to a certain point until mm-hmm. my parents, you know, had some trauma and some a breaking away from the Catholic church themselves and kind of took us out uh, of the church, you know, during that time period. But my relationship to religion for a long time was rules you know, especially coming from Catholicism, right? There were a lot of rules to follow and there was, uh, you know, the traditional Catholic guilt that you hear about if Mm -hmm. you didn't follow those rules or if things went wrong. And I don't think I've ever, ever until this moment, so thank you, um, thought about partnership in spirituality because to me, they were separate. There was spirituality Mm -hmm. and then there was religion, right? And so spirituality was a very safe place for me to be when I didn't want to conform to any kind of religion because of all the things that, you know, I didn't agree with or the value system that didn't align for me. And I wonder how many people are stuck in that conversation because they don't, I don't even think I would know where to begin to partner yeah. with my spirituality if if I hadn't done all the work I've done. Right. Totally. So what do you have to say for the grading of those people that are still like, yeah, you know, there's, there's a little bit of trauma or there's some stuff that happened in their past from religion. They know that they're spiritual, but they have no idea how to even begin to bridge yeah. both end. Yeah. So I think, I mean, first there's a willingness, right? Like mm-hmm. there's no point in talking about gradient unless somebody is like, Hey, I actually am really up for partnering and having a, a um, what I call like a, a personal relationship with a higher power or like mm-hmm. um, a, a, a life where I rely on a higher power support. Mm-hmm. So the willingness is the first thing. And then 
It depends. You know, it really depends. I think, you know, there's different access points for different people. And part of my job is exploring like what might be the access point for you. And so things that are coming to mind as you're talking are, um, you know, relating to being in a relationship with your higher power, like any other relationship, Mm. you know, like if you're, if you're finding you're blocked with your spouse or something, like there's probably a conversation to have. There's probably some resentment to clear out. There's probably some things you're holding against them. And a lot of people, whether they realize it or not, are holding things against God or whoever their higher power is, the universe, right? Like they're pissed off Mm -hmm. either because of you know, the way that religion was taught. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, because like being a human is freaking hard. Yeah. And so we kind of have this idea that like, if there was a God, then life would be easy or something. And it's not. So then we're like, well, either there's a God and he's a jerk or there is no God. Mm-hmm. And I'm using the God word. Cause that's my word. I don't, doesn't matter what you use, <laughs> like universe right. spirit. Right. Like, I don't, you know, I, that's just a word that I'm quite comfortable with. I know it's a very triggering word for a lot of people. So I hope it doesn't like, please bear with me. I like, I know the word's a big one. Don't turn off the podcast just yet. <laughs> um, but it's to like rebuild that relationship. Cause that's kind of what you're talking about. Right. You're like mm-hmm. the God that I was served as a kid. Doesn't feel like it's got my back. Like mm-hmm. it feels like it's a God that is conditionally loving. I was also raised in the Catholic church. Mm-hmm mostly. Um, I went to Catholic school. My dad was very Catholic. Um, my mom raised this not Catholic, but I had a foot in each world. So I get it. Mm-hmm. And that God is kind of a jerk, like, mm-hmm. or at least the way it was given to us. I'm not, you know, mm-hmm. um, so of course we're pissed off at that God. And so part of it is like rebuilding that relationship and, um, repairing. So that might be, a gradient is like actually looking at like writing a letter to your higher power and being like, what the hell dude, you know, like Mm -hmm. that might be one place or another place I look with people is actually having them listen, you know, practice listening to their intuition, which Mm -hmm. to me, intuition is the universe speaking to you through your, where, however you hear your intuition, if it's in your gut, if it's in your brain, if you hear voices, I don't know. Um, but actually just listening, you know, some, and it'll be like, it'll, it'll start people with like, ask your higher power, what you should have for lunch. Like, mm-hmm. don't go, don't go like, okay, tell me what to do with my business, all the steps and tell me, you know, like start mm-hmm. small, like mm-hmm. I've got 30 minutes, what should I do? And, and see what you hear mm-hmm. and, and practice just like really baby steps of like, cause we're all getting messages all the time, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but we don't trust them if we don't actually trust our higher power <laughs> and we don't trust ourselves to, to have it right. So those are, those are some of the gradients I start with. And those might be really high gradients to some people, but often I'm finding people who are coming to work with me are pretty open to those types of things already. They're already in those conversations in some aspects of their lives. Beautiful. Beautiful. Thanks for sharing all that. Yeah. I'm curious. I know something that we talked about, um, offline was recovery. Yes. How is recovery folded into this amazing work you do? (laughs) Yeah. So I, I started working with a new coach in 2020, actually in February, 2020, right before the pandemic hit. And in our first conversation before I hired her, actually, she basically said to me, not in so many words, but you know, just to paraphrase, like, I think you might have characteristics of an addict. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was, you know, kind of 
surprised, but also not surprised. Cause I had, I'd have a, I'd had a very problematic relationship with alcohol my whole life, you know, Googling things like, am I an alcoholic? Mm-hmm. Cause I was, I wasn't, I didn't feel like I was an alcoholic because I was so high achieving, you know, and which often people are when they have addictions. Now I know that. Right. But there's this idea of addiction that like, either you're this like living on the street addicted and life totally falling apart, or you're not an addict and your life is fine. And there's a whole lot in between. Mm -hmm. So when she said this to me, I was like, at that time I'd actually given up alcohol for several years already. So I was like, well, maybe, but I didn't get the distinction between being sober and actually being recovered. There's a difference. Mm-hmm. So all that to say is she's sort of the one who planted the seed in me that like, Hey, there's this whole world of recovery and you might consider yourself amongst the people who could use some recovery work. <laughs> yeah. And so the way that I started recovery was actually for an addiction to my own adrenaline, mm. which not many people are doing, um, but more and more people are talking about um, this like physiological addiction we have to our own adrenaline is becoming more and more common in zeitgeist, I'd say. At least it is in the circles I'm in. It's hard mm-hmm. to tell, you know, you get yeah, surrounded. In our own like echo chamber. Swimming, <laughs> yeah, swimming in my own waters. I'm like, yep, there it is. Yep, there it is. Yeah. Um, so it is a conversation people are starting to have. And so I did recovery work. I did the 12 steps in recovery for addiction to adrenaline. Mm-hmm. And the ways I get my own adrenaline, I've learned, mm-hmm. are one of the ways I get it is through perfectionism. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and workaholism. And I would venture to say, I'm not an expert in this area. I'm only, I only know what I know through my recovery and watching other people's recoveries is things like workaholism are actually just addictions to adrenaline. Mm-hmm. And the work is how you get the adrenaline. Mm-hmm. Right. So I can see it in, in my law career, it played out as like, it was such a, such a great place for an adrenaline addict, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. cause there's just so like, I would use fear. I would use shame. I would use all of that to get my hit. Right. Like the way that I did good work as a lawyer was to tell myself I sucked and then use my adrenaline to prove I didn't suck. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. That's how I'd get my hit. I'd get hits all sorts of places. One of the ways I still get this hit of adrenaline that I really work on. Well, I shouldn't say I work on it. I surrender it is trying to be early everywhere. Mm. Right. So like, yeah. Yeah. Like, (laughs) like I'll be like, okay, it's at noon. So we should get there. I love being early to prove how, what a good girl I am. So we should be there at like quarter to quarter to 12. And if we're going to be there quarter, like this starts, like the minute I wake up on Saturday morning, I'm like Mm -hmm. planning the day and where we need to be. And that, and like, all of a sudden I'm all hopped up. And all of a sudden, like, if we're not there half an hour early, the world's going to end. And I'm like using my adrenaline to get my whole family out the door and like crack my whip. And it's like, Whoa, you know, like what is happening? And I'm better at catching it now. And, you know, in 12 step work, you, I can't fix that about myself. I got to hand it over to to God Mm -hmm. and be like, Hey, God, take this from me. Like, I can't control this. I can't make myself stop, Mm -hmm. which is out of recovery. I'm just beating myself up about why I keep doing this thing. Right. If I'm not in recovery, I'm like, why do I keep doing this? Why do I keep doing this to my family and me in recovery? I'm like, Oh, this is my addiction. Of course Mm. I'm doing this. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to get ahead of adrenaline for my whole life. Since I was a kid, I've been using adrenaline. So of course I want some right now, you know, and handing it over. So that is, that is my journey. I find it helpful to relate to those behaviors as an addiction. I don't know whether it's true or not. I'm not a scientist. I don't know (laughs) what the, I don't know the science behind it. And there isn't a lot of science behind it, 
but I find my life is better when I relate to that as an addiction. Mm. And then through that work, I also discovered I was a food addict. Mm -hmm. And I also, so I also do 12 step work for food recovery, um, for food addiction. And in that journey, I've dropped 130 pounds in the last year and a half. Wow. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Which is a symptom of putting down the drug, but I also do, I do 12 step work and 12 step work is y'all get into it. Like if there's any part of you that's like, I think I have addictive tendencies, like go find 12 step work. Mm -hmm. Even Mm -hmm. if you were raised in an alcoholic or dysfunctional family and you don't have a substance that you can really clearly get your hands on, go do the work of adult children of alcoholics or Mm -hmm. Al-Anon or codependence anonymous because they are spitting out so much wisdom for free. (laughs) Like it is just, I am such I am such a huge fan of 12 step work. I just think it's absolutely amazing. Is there some toxicity in certain corners of it? Yes, there is with everything. Is it a spiritual program that is going to rub up against some people for sure? But if you can find something that works for you, I'm just such a huge fan of 12 step work. Yeah. I remember when I was introduced to it, uh, similar, it, it was a a light suggestion <laughs> from a mentor and a colleague, yeah. right? Just like something to look at. And again, no substance abuse problems, but yeah. it was all from the, the need, the need to prove, right. The need to get yeah. it right. And the, yeah. the addiction behind that. And I remember getting so upset <laughs> mm. when, when the suggest, suggestion was given to me around yeah. the 12 step work. And it took me a long time to buy the ACA, you know, yellow workbook, And to open it up. But I remember reading the first um, five or six pages around the trees, you know, Mm. and the different types of trees that you come from and thinking all the traits that they were describing. I was like, whoa, the laundry list, basically. I was reading the laundry list. And I was like, whoa, okay, I get it. This book is for every human being on the planet. 100%. in In my view, there was always somebody I knew who was going to fit those laundry lists. So totally. just a way to reframe yeah. and to help um, amidst everything else that's out yeah. there, you know, to yeah. help you. totally. Yeah. It's not the answer. And it is a very, very powerful piece of work. Yeah. And all of us are, all of us were raised in dysfunctional families, not because our families are bad or wrong, but because there's collective trauma in our society mm-hmm. and our mm-hmm. parents, you know, I think that's one of the, one of the things people really face is if they go into 12 step work, that it means something about their parents, especially adult children of alcoholics and dysfunctional families, right? Cause you're essentially calling your family mm-hmm. dysfunctional, which all families are dysfunctional. A, all families are dysfunctional, but part of the disease of being an ACA is that you're used to hiding the dysfunction. <laughs> so mm-hmm. to like, mm-hmm. so part of it's like being a good girl who doesn't point anything out. Right. Mm -hmm. And so to go and like, then start doing this thing that kind of points it out feels really counterintuitive, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't mean anything about your family. It's not about that. It's, it's, it's really just about like, what are the maladaptive ways that I took on subconsciously as a child that I can't see? And frankly, are promoted in our society, Mm -hmm. right? Like, people pleasing, you know, perfectionism, doing a really great job, you know, overperforming, like nobody, nobody would ever have said to me, you have a problem because look at my life. It was wonderful. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And thank goodness for these mentors and these, these coaches that we have that were like, Hey, I see your wonderful life. And I also see what it's all taking. Mm -hmm. 
and to keep it going. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, what do you see as a leader in your industry coming down the road uh, for people mm-hmm. like from this lens? Like in the coaching industry? Uh, no, for your people, like as a coach oh. in the spiritual realm, right? right? Like what do you, what do you see for people coming down the road that might, might either be something that they're, you know, I'm thinking of the collective, collective consciousness, right? Like as we're all mm-hmm. leveling up as mm-hmm. humans, mm-hmm. but what do you think is um, something that you might invite people to focus on or look yeah. for yeah. down the road? Well, as you ask that question, what's coming up for me is like, it's hard for me to articulate it, but it's like, it's going to, it's going to sound counterintuitive, but it's to, to really get that we don't need fixing. Mm-hmm. Right. Like there's nothing wrong with any of us. We're just having a human experience, mm-hmm. but, but the fixing is part of the addiction. And it, like, that's the lens I put it through is like the trying to fix ourselves mm-hmm. is the, is the, is the, um, the racket, the racket. Yeah. It's <laughs> the such landmark a racket. <laughs> yeah. It's such a racket, right. That we're broken, that we need fixing that and all of that. And it sounds weird because I'm also selling a product that's like, Hey, come make your life better. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's tricky because my, <laughs> my secret sauce is like, Hey, there's nothing wrong with you. Mm-hmm. And so, but, it, but like people actually need the support to see that because we are, the yeah. racket is so dependent on us thinking there's something wrong with us and thinking we're broken and we need fixing. So mm-hmm. to me, it's the like really getting that there's nothing wrong with us and that we need support. What I would love to see is that everybody got how much support they really needed, mm-hmm. right? Like how much we really are interdependent with each other and how much working with what I, it doesn't matter if it's a coach, if it's a mentor, if it's a 12 step work, like we are meant to be doing this work with somebody, not reading a book about it. Mm-hmm. and writing in our journal about it alone, but mm-hmm. actually being with human beings to help us heal what's going on here. Being witnessed, being held, like having people really hear us. I think that's how we really get that there's nothing wrong with us and that we're yeah. not broken because we hear other people share it. That's really powerful, Megan. I mean, I think that's the thing that I probably want to leave on that note for, for, our guests, but I'm curious, one more leveling up question for you around yeah. that. Like, what would that actually create mm. in the business world mm. for people? Yeah. Oh, I think it would create, well, first of all, just like it would create a very humane work atmosphere. Yeah. <laughs> because so much of what's going on in businesses especially a large, well, I see, I'm going to speak about the legal profession because that's the one I know is it's trading on people's addictions and thinking that they're broken. The entire model is built on that. Not intentionally. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think people are evil and trying to exploit people that way, but it is built on that. And so I think it would bring a humaneness to our working conditions. It would bring an understanding of like, oh yeah, the more rest you get, the better work you do. Like actually, like we can get that intellectually, but it is not in any way actually steeped into the culture of more, more most workplaces right now. Mm-hmm. So really like a business world where people are doing business in a humane way with their employees, really understanding the trauma of their employees, giving them space to heal. Mm-hmm. Um, again, not because they're broken and need fixing because it's totally normal. <laughs> That's, mm-hmm. you know, like mm-hmm. actually normalizing that being a human being messes you up pretty good. 
I think that business is, is one of the core foundations and core um, institutions that America, I'm in Canada, but same thing, North America is run on. Mm-hmm. And so it is right now the institution that actually holds the most power to change this stuff. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And the trickle down that's, that will happen from that. Totally. You know, totally. people that are actually more whole. And as you said, belonging, belonging. People that are whole and feel whole, like, cause yeah. you know, like actually like <laughs> relate to themselves as whole mm-hmm. and, uh, and still might have some healing to do. Cause those aren't, those aren't mutually exclusive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to me, that's the biggest thing that the business world is up against right now. How do we hold the both end, right? Of supporting them and also moving forward. Totally. With um, missions and visions and yes, and collectively yeah, but, rising. Yeah. Missions and visions are going to move forward it, when the people who are executing the missions and visions are moving themselves forward. Yes. Not like, okay, let's put pause on your work so mm-hmm. that you can go work for me and move this vision forward. It's like, no, no, you work on you, not work on, I hate that. Cause it, it's, but like, you, now we're back and fixing. I know exactly. <laughs> it's still, it's a, it's a semantic debate at some point, but it's like, you love you and expand you and, and see what there is for you to heal and move up and out. Mm-hmm. And I trust my vision will be executed as you do that. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, Megan, this has been really beautiful. Thank you so much for this deep conversation. Any last words that you want to say? I don't think so. I'm just grateful that you're having this conversation. And it it just makes me think of how many people you're having it with in your own private practice. And it just gives me so much hope. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for being um, a light worker in the world that is bringing hope through these conversations and for doing the uncomfortable uncomfortable thing that not many people are doing right now. Yeah. It's such a joy to be with you. Thanks for sharing Likewise. your light here. Thank you. Bye.